Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 80th program in this series. In this program, I'm at the end of John chapter 14, and this is the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples at the end of the Last Supper. This is the conversation that he has with them. This is the end of his ministry. He is about to be crucified, and then he is going to resurrect from the dead. And when he does, this will be the opportunity, this will be the time in history when the new covenant goes into effect. God is able to establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and also with the entire world, because he will remember our sins no more. This makes it possible for us to receive the Holy Spirit because there will be no sin that will cause the Holy Spirit to depart from us. Once we receive it, if we were to sin in accordance with the law of sin and death, the Spirit of God would depart. This is the same thing that happened with Adam and Eve. So it is necessary for God to provide forgiveness for the entire world, for everyone, so that people will have the opportunity to be saved. But salvation has to do with the restoration of the Holy Spirit, the restoration of life. It has to do with being resurrected, made into a new creation, made into a child of God. That is what salvation is about, and that is what forgiveness makes possible. Now, most people in the Christian world have proclaimed and have asserted that forgiveness is salvation. Just as long as you can get forgiven, well, then you are saved. And I am saying that the gospel is a little bit more involved than that, that everyone is forgiven, but not everyone is saved. If salvation is defined as being made into a new person, a new creation, a child of God, if that is the definition of salvation, well, then people can be forgiven and be a bunch of forgiven dead people. They are not saved. They are not children of God. They may be forgiven, but that isn't going to help them. When the decision is made to allow them to be a part of the kingdom of heaven or not, they won't have a place among the living in the kingdom of heaven because they are spiritually dead. And so even though they may be forgiven, it won't do them any good. It will be as if their sins are not forgiven because they are not spiritually alive. They are not new creations in Christ Jesus. Now, chances are there will be a lot of people who will protest. They will protest the decision that God makes, and they will suggest that they should be allowed entrance into the kingdom of heaven for other criteria, because maybe they are a good person, or maybe they are better than those who are in the kingdom of heaven. 
In other words, there will be a request for people to be judged according to their works. They will request to be judged according to the quality of a person that they are on the basis of whether or not they have sinned. And this kind of judgment will not end well for anyone. Anyone who is judged according to their sin will go to hell. Anyone who is judged according to their works will go to hell. Only those who are made into new creations, those who are children of God according to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, will make it into the kingdom of heaven. Now, our God gave the old covenant, the covenant through Moses, the commandments through Moses. He gave these commandments in order to provide people with an opportunity to see that they will never make it according to their works, that they will never live a sinless life. They will commit sin, and this will need a resolution. This will demonstrate their condition and their need for God's provision. The Old Covenant, the commandments of God, were given in order for us to see who we are. God already knows who we are. He already knows our condition. But this is a way for us to see our condition, for us to see ourselves, for us to understand something about ourselves. But if you want to be saved, God has to provide a different covenant. Now, again, the new covenant did not go into effect until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. So before Jesus died and rose from the dead, the old covenant was in effect, and that's all the people had at their disposal. This is the end of Jesus' ministry, but it's not over quite yet. It will be over very soon, but it's not quite over. And so when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he can speak of the new covenant that will go into effect very soon. But at the same time, to be consistent with what is happening right now, he tells his disciples to obey the commandments, because that is still the covenant that is in effect and that will show them their condition so that they will eventually be able to appreciate his provision that is coming, but is not here quite yet. It will be here very soon, but not yet. So going back to John chapter 14, I'll begin in verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And I spoke about this in previous programs. Verse 13, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And in the previous two programs, I explained that this is not all that he said about asking things of God and that he will do it. We need to consider all that he had to say in this context, which included, as I explained in the previous message, it included the fact that we are to keep his commandments. As an example, we are to forgive others or God will not forgive us. We are to be perfect. 
we are to obey his commandments as part of the criteria, as the condition for him doing whatever we ask. Now, we certainly will not ever obey the commandments to the satisfaction of God, to the standard of perfection. We will never do that. So he will never have to comply with our requests. And that's the point, to lead us to a circumstance where we can see that there is no hope of having any kind of relationship with our God without his grace and mercy and without him establishing different criteria, which is what he does in the new covenant that is about to go into effect, but is not in effect yet. And so in the meantime, while God is establishing the new covenant, while he is about to invoke the new covenant, what are we to do? That's what he tells us. In verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you want to know what you should do, well, there you go. He has given his commandments. Obey his commandments. Now, by this time in Jesus' ministry with his relationship with his disciples, you would think they would have figured out that they're not going to be able to obey his commandments, that they're not going to be able to do that. Now, it appears that as you continue to read in the history of the early church in the book of Acts, it appears that there was still a bit of a struggle over this topic. But that's important. It's important to have this struggle, to wrestle with these issues. It was important for them to be confronted with these issues, because until we really come to the end of ourselves, we will not be able to appreciate what our God has done for us, what we should see from him telling us what he said in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, what we should see is that we don't love God. And that's a tough one for people to recognize. That's a tough one for people to admit. For people to admit and to confess that they do not love God. According to the standard, this was a difficult struggle for me when I was in a stage in my life when I was trying to be right with God by living in obedience to the law of Moses. It was difficult for me and my personal pride to come to the point of recognizing that I was not perfect, that I was not obeying his commandments as he spoke, as he explained. And that this only proved one thing, that I did not love God. And this was a difficult truth for me to embrace because I didn't want to be a person who didn't love God. I didn't want other people to know that I didn't love God. What would that say about me? That would say that I am an evil person. And this is difficult for people to accept that they are evil people who do not love God because of their personal pride, because they don't want to be that kind of a person, or they don't want people to know that that's the kind of person they are, and yet we cannot obey the commandments of God to the standard of perfection that he requires. And we're not going to be able to go before God and say, well, we did our best, we did it better than somebody else, 
That's not going to work. He explained clearly that we are to be as perfect as God, and we are not. So for him to say, if you love me, keep my commandments, for him to say that, should demonstrate to all of us that we do not love God, because we don't keep his commandments. Now, if we come to this recognition, if we come to accept this truth, then we can move forward. Then there is great opportunity, because then you are ready to embrace the forgiveness that God has for you. If you will not see that you do not love God, that you do not keep his commandments, if you will not see that, then what difference does it make if God forgives you? What does he forgive you for? What do you need forgiveness for? You need forgiveness because you don't love him, because you don't keep his commandments, because you are in that condition. The need exists for forgiveness. And so when God provides us with forgiveness through what Jesus did for us, well, now we have a reason to embrace the forgiveness that he provides. Otherwise, even if he forgives, it will mean nothing. It will mean nothing at all. It will mean a lot for God because he is set free from the burden of remembering your sins. The burden of waiting for you, waiting for you to confess that you have a need for forgiveness before he is allowed to grant you forgiveness. That's not what he did. He executed forgiveness whether you liked it or not whether you accepted it or not. He is free of your sin. You, a forgiven dead person. And if you won't acknowledge your need for forgiveness, then how are you going to possibly receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit? You're not. You're not going to receive the whole package of the gospel. You are not going to be saved. And you can go to hell as a forgiven dead person. And not only will your sins be forgotten, But so will you. You will be forgotten also. So verse 15 is a way for us to continue the struggle, continue the struggle with ourselves to come to the point of recognizing that we have a need for forgiveness. If you don't see it, then you try to obey his commandments. You will be confronted with the truth that you do not love God. And there you go. And until then, we should be encouraged to live in obedience to the commandments, to live in obedience to his word. Jesus says this again a few verses later in verse 21, John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Well, if this is the condition, if this is the criteria, then no one will be loved by God. God will manifest himself to no one. And that's the point. There will have to be something else. And the something else is the gospel. The something else is the new covenant. And when we are saved, when we are born again by the Spirit, when we experience the benefit of forgiveness, 
when we enter into the new relationship that God establishes, He is free to love us in the midst of our sinfulness because of forgiveness. He is free to love us. And so we can be loved by our God because of what He's done for us, because we have surrendered to the new covenant, we can be the recipients of his love. And when we receive the love of God in the truest sense, in the truest form, his love will begin to do a work in our hearts and change who we are. And as we change, as we grow, as we mature, we will discover that we will love our God with the love that he shares with us, that his love will fulfill the deepest parts of our being. It will fulfill our heart's desires. We will begin to change and grow and become a different kind of person, and we will have a love for our God that we could have never had through the life under the law, through the life under the commandments, through the life under the old covenant. Now, this is the struggle that the disciples were going through. That's what we are reading about, is the struggle that the disciples were confronted with. But everyone in history is confronted with the same struggle. A thousand years later, new people were born into this world And they were confronted with the struggle of, do they love God? Are they obedient to God? Do they sin? Do they keep his commandments? Are they good people? Everyone who is born into this world is confronted with this struggle. And eventually, everyone should recognize that they do not love God. They do not keep his commandments. They sin. They have a need for forgiveness. Everyone's struggle is the same. The children of Israel and the Jews at this time in history, they had the opportunity of having the commandments that were given by Moses right there as part of their culture, right there as part of their lives. Throughout the course of history, there have been some groups of people who have had the scriptures at their disposal and who have wrestled with the commandments of God in a similar context. Other people did not have such access to the word of God, but they still had the knowledge of good and evil, enough of it, that they could be confronted with this topic themselves. Everyone has had their own standards, their own beliefs, concerning what is good and evil, and everyone has fallen short of their own standards, their own laws, their own beliefs of what the commandments would be if God were to give them. And so everyone has been confronted with this in their lives and has been confronted with the reality that they do not love God, they are not perfect, they are not God, they are not even close to God or being like God at all. Everyone for thousands of years has been confronted with this. Everyone who is alive today will be confronted with this at some point in their life, where they will see 
that they do not love God, they do not keep his commandments, that they have a need for forgiveness. And the next generation after ours will be confronted with this also. This is the struggle. This is an important struggle. And only those who are willing to let go of their pride enough that they can be the recipients of the free gift of eternal life through the gospel, only those who can get past their personal issues and their personal pride, only those who will bend the knee and confess that they are not God, that they do not love God, that they have a need for God, that they need to be a different person, that they have sin that needs to be forgiven, only those who can let go of enough of their pride will have the opportunity to be saved through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So in this conversation, Jesus speaks of both issues at the same time. He speaks about the present and he speaks about the future. The present has to do with continuing to be obedient, but the future has to do with what he is going to do while we are busy doing this. And that's what he says in verse 16. In verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's in the future. Will be in them in the future. He speaks about this again in verse 26. In verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things to bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so Jesus speaks of the present and the future, but that these two things are different. In verse 15, he said, If you love me, Keep my commandments. That's present. That's consistent with the current covenant. Even though the new covenant is about to go into effect, it's not in effect quite yet. So he speaks about the present. And then in verse 16, he speaks about the future. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, as he speaks of in verse 26. So he says to the disciples, you guys do this, and I will do this. Now, what Jesus does is not conditional upon their obedience. If it was, they would never receive the spirit of truth. And so when Jesus says this in verse 16, this is not conditional. He doesn't say, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will give you the Holy Spirit if you succeed, if you love me, if you keep my commandments. And if you don't, well, you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit. If that was the condition, no one would ever receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in accordance with the law, you could suggest that God would do that. But no one will obey to the standard of perfection. Therefore, 
God will have to give the Holy Spirit according to different criteria. And the different criteria will be the recognition that they do not love God, that they do not keep His commandments, that they have a need for forgiveness, that the only way that they will be made spiritually alive is through the grace and mercy of God. That becomes the criteria for entering into the new covenant. And the new covenant is about to go into effect, but it is not in effect quite yet. So while they are busy trying to love God and keep his commandments, this is what Jesus is going to do. That's the connection between verse 15 and verse 16. You guys go do this. I'm going to go do this. You guys keep trying to love me. You guys keep trying to obey the commandments. And while you're doing that, this is what I am going to do. And when I'm done, a new covenant will be presented to you. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 80th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. And in this program, I was explaining that verse 16 is not conditional upon verse 15. When Jesus said in verse 16 that he would pray for the Father, that he would give them the Holy Spirit, this was not conditional on whether or not they loved him or whether or not they kept his commandments. In verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and Jesus would pray that they would receive the Holy Spirit, that this is not conditional. If it was conditional, it would never happen because no one will keep his commandments to the standard that God defined. Therefore, no one loves God. If we will ever love God, it will have to be according to different criteria. And this was made possible through the new covenant. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,